May 13th through 19th of Morning and Evening Daily Readings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christy L. Morning and Evening Daily Readings by Charles Spurgeon. Morning, May 13th. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Psalm 35. Christian, if thou art in a night of trial, think of the morrow. Cheer up thy heart with the thought of the coming of thy Lord. Be patient, for, lo, he comes with clouds descending. Be patient. The husbandman waits until he reaps his harvest. Be patient, for you know who has said, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to every man according as his work shall be. If you are never so wretched now, remember, a few more rolling suns at most will land thee on fair Canaan's coast. Thy head may be crowned with thorny troubles now, but it shall wear a starry crown ere long. Thy hand may be filled with cares, it shall sweep the strings of the harp of heaven soon. Thy garments may be soiled with dust now, they shall be white by and by. Wait a little longer. Ah, how despicable our troubles and trials will seem when we look back upon them. Looking at them here in the prospect, they seem immense. But when we get to heaven, we shall then, with transporting joys, recount the labors of our feet. Our trials will then seem light and momentary afflictions. Let us go on boldly, if the night be never so dark, the morning cometh, which is more than they can say who are shut up in the darkness of hell. Do you know what it is thus to live on the future, to live on expectation, to antedate heaven? Happy believer, to have so sure, so comforting a hope. It may be all dark now, but it will soon be light. It may be all trial now, but it will soon be all happiness. What matters it though weeping may endure for a night? when joy cometh in the morning. Evening, May 13. Thou art my portion, O Lord. Psalm 119.57 Look at thy possessions, O believer, and compare thy portion with the lot of thy fellow men. Some of them have their portion in the field. They are rich, and their harvests yield them a golden increase. But what are harvests compared with thy God, who is the God of harvests? What are bursting granaries compared with him who is the husbandman, and feeds thee with the bread of heaven? Some have their portion in the city, their wealth is abundant, and flows to them in constant streams, until they become a very reservoir of gold. But what is gold compared with thy God? Thou couldst not live on it, thy spiritual life could not be sustained by it. Put it on a troubled conscience, and could it allay its pangs? Apply it to a desponding heart, and see if it could stay a solitary groan, or give one grief the less. But thou hast God, and in Him thou hast more than gold or riches ever could buy. Some have their portion in that which most men love, applause and fame. But ask thyself, is not thy God more to thee than that? What if a myriad clarions should be loud in thine applause? Would this prepare thee to pass the Jordan, or cheer thee in prospect of judgment? No, there are griefs in life which wealth cannot alleviate, and there is the deep need of a dying hour for which no riches can provide. But when thou hast God for thy portion, thou hast more than all else put together. In him every want is met, whether in life or in death. With God for thy portion thou art rich indeed, for he will supply thy need, comfort thy heart, assuage thy grief, 
guide thy steps, be with thee in the dark valley, and then take thee home to enjoy him as thy portion for ever. I have enough, said Esau. This is the best thing a worldly man can say, but Jacob replies, I have all things, which is a note too high for carnal minds. Morning, May 14th. Joint Heirs with Christ. Romans 8.17 The boundless realms of his Father's universe are Christ's by prescriptive right. As heir of all things, he is the sole proprietor of the vast creation of God, and he has admitted us to claim the whole as ours, by virtue of that deed of joint heirship which the Lord hath ratified with his chosen people. The golden streets of paradise, the pearly gates, the river of life, the transcendent bliss, and the unutterable glory are, by our blessed Lord, made over to us for our everlasting possession. All that he has he shares with his people. The royal crown he has placed upon the head of his church, appointing her a kingdom, and calling her sons a royal priesthood, a generation of priests and kings. He uncrowned himself that we might have a coronation of glory. He would not sit upon his own throne until he had procured a place upon it for all who overcome by his blood. Crowned the head and the whole body shares the honor. Behold here the reward of every Christian conqueror. Christ's throne, crown, sceptre, palace, treasure, robes, heritage are yours. Far superior to the jealousies, selfishness, and greed which admit of no participation of their advantages, Christ deems his happiness completed by his people sharing it. The glory which thou gavest me I have given them. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. The smiles of his father are all the sweeter to him, because his people share them. The honors of his kingdom are more pleasing, because his people appear with him in glory. More valuable to him are his conquests, since they have taught his people to overcome. He delights in his throne, because on it there is a place for them. He rejoices in his royal robes, since over them his skirts are spread. He delights the more in his joy, because he calls them to enter into it. Evening, May 14th. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom. Isaiah 40.11 Who is he of whom such gracious words are spoken? He is the good shepherd. Why doth he carry the lambs in his bosom? Because he hath a tender heart, and any weakness at once melts his heart. The sighs, the ignorance, the feebleness of the little ones of his flock draw forth his compassion. It is his office as a faithful high priest to consider the weak. Besides, he purchased them with blood. They are his property. He must and will care for that which cost him so dear. Then he is responsible for each lamb, bound by covenant engagements not to lose one. Moreover, they are all a part of his glory and reward. But how may we understand the expression, he will carry them? Sometimes he carries them by not permitting them to endure much trial. Providence deals tenderly with them. Often they are carried by being filled with an unusual degree of love, so that they bear up and stand fast. Though their knowledge may not be deep, they have great sweetness in what they do know. Frequently he carries them by giving them a very simple faith, which takes the promise just as it stands, and believingly runs with every trouble straight to Jesus. 
the simplicity of their faith gives them an unusual degree of confidence which carries them above the world he carries the lambs in his bosom here is boundless affection would he put them in his bosom if he did not love them much here is tender nearness so near are they that they could not possibly be nearer here is hallowed familiarity there are precious love passages between christ and his weak ones here is perfect safety in his bosom who can hurt them they must hurt the shepherd first here is perfect rest and sweetest comfort surely we are not sufficiently sensible of the infinite tenderness of jesus morning may fifteenth all that believe are justified acts thirteen thirty nine the believer in christ receives a present justification faith does not produce this fruit by and by but now so far as justification is the result of faith it is given to the soul in the moment when it closes with christ and accepts him as its all in all are they who stand before the throne of god justified now so are we as truly and as clearly justified as they who walk in white and sing melodious praises to celestial harps the thief upon the cross was justified the moment that he turned the eye of faith to jesus and paul the aged after years of service was not more justified than was the thief with no service at all we are to-day accepted in the beloved to-day absolved from sin to-day acquitted at the bar of god o oh, soul-transporting thought there are some clusters of eshcol's vine which we shall not be able to gather till we enter heaven but this is a bough which runneth over the wall this is not as the corn of the land which we can never eat till we cross the jordan but this is part of the manna in the wilderness a portion of our daily nutriment with which god supplies us in our journeying to and fro we are now even now pardoned even now are our sins put away even now we stand in the sight of god accepted as though we had never been guilty there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in christ jesus there is not a sin in the book of god even now against one of his people who dareth to lay anything to their charge there is neither speck nor spot nor wrinkle nor any such thing remaining upon any one believer in the matter of justification in the sight of the judge of all the earth let present privilege awaken us to present duty and now while life lasts let us spend and be spent for our sweet lord jesus evening may fifteenth made perfect hebrews twelve twenty three recollect that there are two kinds of perfection which the christian needs the perfection of justification in the person of jesus and the perfection of sanctification wrought in him by the holy spirit at present corruption yet remains even in the breasts of the regenerate experience soon teaches us this within us are still lusts and evil imaginations but i rejoice to know that the day is coming when god shall finish the work which he has begun and he shall present my soul not only perfect in christ but perfect through the spirit without spot or blemish or any such thing can it be true that this poor sinful heart of mine is to become holy even as god is holy can it be that this spirit which often cries o wretched man that i am who shall deliver me from the body of this sin and death shall get rid of sin and death that i shall have no evil things to vex my ears and no unholy thoughts to disturb my peace o happy hour may it be hastened when i cross the jordan the work of sanctification will be finished but not till that moment shall i even claim perfection in myself 
Then my spirit shall have its last baptism in the Holy Spirit's fire. Methinks I long to die to receive that last and final purification which shall usher me into heaven. Not an angel more pure than I shall be, for I shall be able to say, in a double sense, I am clean, through Jesus' blood, and through the Spirit's work. Oh, how should we extol the power of the Holy Ghost in thus making us fit to stand before our Father in heaven? Yet let not the hope of perfection hereafter make us content with imperfection now. If it does this, our hope cannot be genuine, for a good hope is a purifying thing even now. The work of grace must be abiding in us now, or it cannot be perfected then. Let us pray to be filled with the Spirit, that we may bring forth increasingly the fruits of righteousness. Morning, May 16th who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. 1 Timothy 6.17 Our Lord Jesus is ever giving, and does not for a solitary instant withdraw his hand. As long as there is a vessel of grace not yet full to the brim, the oil shall not be stayed. He is a sun ever shining. He is manna always falling round the camp. He is a rock in the desert ever sending out streams of life from his smitten side. The rain of his grace is always dropping. The river of his bounty is ever flowing, and the wellspring of his love is constantly overflowing. As the king can never die, so his grace can never fail. Daily we pluck his fruit, and daily his branches bend down to our hand with a fresh store of mercy. There are seven feast days in his weeks, and as many as are the days, so many are the banquets in his years. Who has ever returned from his door unblessed? Who has ever risen from his table unsatisfied, or from his bosom unimparadised? His mercies are new every morning, and fresh every evening. Who can know the number of his benefits, or recount the list of his bounties? Every sand which drops from the glass of time is but the tardy follower of a myriad of mercies. The wings of our hours are covered with the silver of his kindness, and with the yellow gold of his affection. The river of time bears from the mountains of eternity the golden sands of his favor. The countless stars are but as the standard-bearers of a more innumerable host of blessings. Who can count the dust of the benefits which he bestows on Jacob, or tell the number of the fourth part of his mercies towards Israel? How shall my soul extol him who daily loadeth us with benefits, and who crowneth us with loving-kindness? Oh, that my praise could be as ceaseless as his bounty! O oh, miserable tongue, how canst thou be silent? Wake up, I pray thee, lest I call thee no more my glory but my shame. Awake, psaltery and harp, I myself will awake right early. Evening, May 16th And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches, for thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink both ye and your cattle and your beasts. Second Kings 3, 16 and 17 The armies of the three kings were famishing for want of water. God was about to send it, and in these words the prophet announced the coming blessing. Here was a case of human helplessness. Not a drop of water could all the valiant men procure from the skies or find in the wells of earth. Thus often the people of the Lord are at their wits' end. They see the vanity of the creature and learn experimentally where their help is to be found. Still the people were to make a believing preparation for the divine blessing. They were to dig the trenches in which the precious liquid would be held. The church must, by her varied agencies, efforts, and prayers, make herself ready to be blessed. She must make the pools, and the Lord will fill them. This must be done in faith, 
in the full assurance that the blessing is about to descend. By and by there was a singular bestowal of the needed boon. Not as in Elijah's case did the shower pour from the clouds, but in a silent and mysterious manner the pools were filled. The Lord has his own sovereign modes of action. He is not tied to manner and time as we are, but doeth as he pleases among the sons of men. It is ours, thankfully, to receive from him, and not to dictate to him. We must also notice the remarkable abundance of the supply. There was enough for the need of all. And so it is in the gospel blessing. All the wants of the congregation and of the entire church shall be met by the divine power in answer to prayer. And above all this victory shall be speedily given to the armies of the Lord. What am I doing for Jesus? What trenches am I digging? O Lord, make me ready to receive the blessing which Thou art so willing to bestow. Morning, May 17th. So to walk, even as He walked. 1 John 2.6 Why should Christians imitate Christ? They should do it for their own sakes. If they desire to be in a healthy state of soul, if they would escape the sickness of sin and enjoy the vigor of growing grace, let Jesus be their model. For their own happiness' sake, if they would drink wine on the lees while refined, if they would enjoy holy and happy communion with Jesus, if they would be lifted up above the cares and troubles of this world, let them walk even as he walked. There is nothing which can so assist you to walk towards heaven with good speed as wearing the image of Jesus on your heart to rule all its motions. It is when, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are enabled to walk with Jesus in his very footsteps, that you are most happy and most known to be the sons of God. Peter, afar off, is both unsafe and uneasy. Next, for religion's sake, strive to be like Jesus. Ah, poor religion, thou hast been sorely shot at by cruel foes, but thou hast not been wounded one half so dangerously by thy foes as by thy friends. Who made those wounds in the fair hand of godliness? The professor who used the dagger of hypocrisy, the man who with pretenses enters the fold, being naught but a wolf in sheep's clothing, worries the flock more than the lion outside. There is no weapon half so deadly as a Judas kiss. Inconsistent professors injure the gospel more than the sneering critic or the infidel. But, especially for Christ's own sake, imitate his example. Christian, lovest thou thy Saviour? Is his name precious to thee? Is his cause dear to thee? Wouldst thou see the kingdoms of the world become his? Is it thy desire that he should be glorified? Art thou longing that souls should be won to him? If so, imitate Jesus. Be an epistle of Christ, known and read of all men. Evening, May 17th. Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee. Isaiah 41, 9. If we have received the grace of God in our hearts, its practical effect has been to make us God's servant. We may be unfaithful servants, we certainly are unprofitable ones, but yet, blessed be his name, we are his servants, wearing his livery, feeding at his table, and obeying his commands. We were once the servants of sin, but he who made us free has now taken us into his family and taught us obedience to his will. We do not serve our master perfectly, but we would if we could. As we hear God's voice saying unto us, Thou art my servant, we can answer with David, I am thy servant, thou hast loosed my bonds. But the Lord calls us not only his servants, but his chosen ones. I have chosen thee. We have not chosen him first, but he hath chosen us. 
If we be God's servants, we were not always so. To sovereign grace the change must be ascribed. The eye of sovereignty singled us out, and the voice of unchanging grace declared, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Long ere time began, or space was created, God had written upon his heart the names of his elect people, had predestinated them to be conformed into the image of his Son, and ordained them heirs of all the fullness of his love, his grace, and his glory. What comfort is here? Has the Lord loved us so long, and will he yet cast us away? He knew how stiff-necked we should be, he understood that our hearts were evil, and yet made the choice. Ah, our Saviour is no fickle lover. He doth not feel enchanted for a while with some gleams of beauty from his church's eye, and then afterwards cast her off because of her unfaithfulness. Nay, he married her in old eternity, and it is written of Jehovah, He hateth putting away. The eternal choice is a bond upon our gratitude and upon his faithfulness, which neither can disown. Morning, May 18th. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and ye are complete in him. Colossians 2, 9, and 10. All the attributes of Christ as God and man are at our disposal. All the fullness of the Godhead, whatever that marvelous term may comprehend, is ours to make us complete. He cannot endow us with the attributes of deity, but he has done all that can be done, for he has made even his divine power and Godhead subservient to our salvation. His omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, immutability, infallibility, are all combined for our defense. Arise, believer, and behold the Lord Jesus yoking the whole of his divine Godhead to the chariot of salvation. How vast his grace, how firm his faithfulness, how unswerving his immutability, how infinite his power, how limitless his knowledge! All these are, by the Lord Jesus, made the pillars of the temple of salvation, and all, without diminution of their infinity are covenanted to us as our perpetual inheritance the fathomless love of the saviour's heart is every drop of it ours every sinew in the arm of might every jewel in the crown of majesty the immensity of divine knowledge and the sternness of divine justice all are ours and shall be employed for us the whole of Christ in his adorable character as the Son of God is by himself made over to us most richly to enjoy. His wisdom is our direction, his knowledge our instruction, his power our protection, his justice our surety, his love our comfort, his mercy our solace, and his immutability our trust. He makes no reserve but opens the recesses of the mount of God and bids us dig in its mines for the hidden treasures. All, all, all are yours, saith he. Be ye satisfied with favor and full of the goodness of the Lord. Oh, how sweet thus to behold Jesus, and to call upon him with the certain confidence that in seeking the interposition of his love or power, we are but asking for that which he has already faithfully promised. Evening, May 18th. Afterward. Hebrews 12:11. How happy are tried Christians, afterwards! No calm more deep than that which succeeds a storm. Who has not rejoiced in clear shinings after rain? Victorious banquets are for well-exercised soldiers. After killing the lion we eat the honey. After climbing the hill difficulty we sit down in the arbor to rest. 
after traversing the valley of humiliation after fighting with apollyon the shining one appears with the healing branch from the tree of life our sorrows like the passing keels of the vessels upon the sea leave a silver line of holy light behind them afterwards it is peace sweet deep peace which follows the horrible turmoil which once reigned in our tormented guilty souls see then the happy estate of the christian he has his best things last and he therefore in this world receives his worst things first but even his worst things are afterward good things harsh ploughings yielding joyful harvests even now he grows rich by his losses he rises by his falls he lives by dying and becomes full by being emptied if then his grievous afflictions yield him so much peaceable fruit in this life what shall be the full vintage of joy afterwards in heaven if his dark nights are as bright as the world's days what shall his days be if even his starlight is more splendid than the sun what must his sunlight be if he can sing in a dungeon how sweetly will he sing in heaven if he can praise the lord in the fires how will he extol him before the eternal throne if evil be good to him now what will the overflowing goodness of god be to him then o oh, blessed afterward who would not be a christian who would not bear the present cross for the crown which cometh afterwards but herein is work for patience for the rest is not for to-day nor the triumph for the present but afterward wait o soul and let patience have her perfect work morning may nineteenth i have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth ecclesiastes ten seven upstarts frequently usurp the highest places while the truly great pine in obscurity this is a riddle in providence whose solution will one day gladden the hearts of the upright but it is so common a fact that none of us should murmur if it should fall to our own lot when our lord was upon earth although he is the prince of the kings of the earth yet he walked the footpath of weariness and service as the servant of servants what wonder is it if his followers who are princes of the blood should also be looked down upon as inferior and contemptible persons the world is upside down and therefore the first are last and the last first see how the servile sons of satan lord it in the earth what a high horse they ride how they lift up their horn on high haman is in the court while mordecai sits in the gate david wanders on the mountains while saul reigns in state elijah is complaining in the cave while jezebel is boasting in the palace yet who would wish to take the places of the proud rebels and who on the other hand might not envy the despised saints when the wheel turns those who are lowest rise and the highest sink patience then believer eternity will right the wrongs of time let us not fall into the error of letting our passions and carnal appetites ride in triumph while our nobler powers walk in the dust grace must reign as a prince and make the members of the body instruments of righteousness the holy spirit loves order and he therefore sets our powers and faculty in due rank and place giving the highest room to those spiritual faculties which link us with the great king let us not disturb the divine arrangement but ask for grace that we may keep under our body and bring it into subjection we were not new created to allow our passions to rule over us but that we as kings may reign in christ jesus over the triple kingdom of spirit soul and body to the glory of God the Father. 
evening, May 19th, and he requested for himself that he might die. 1 Kings 19.4 It was a remarkable thing that the man who was never to die, for whom God had ordained an infinitely better lot, the man who should be carried to heaven in a chariot of fire and be translated that he should not see death, should thus pray, Let me die, I am no better than my father's. We have here a memorable proof that God does not always answer prayer in kind, though he always does in effect. He gave Elias something better than that which he asked for, and thus really heard and answered him. Strange was it that the lion-hearted Elijah should be so depressed by Jezebel's threat as asked to die, and blessedly kind was it on the part of our Heavenly Father that he did not take his desponding servant at his word. There is a limit to the doctrine of the prayer of faith. We are not to expect that God will give us everything we choose to ask for. We know that we sometimes ask and do not receive because we ask amiss. If we ask for that which is not promised, if we run counter to the spirit which the Lord would have us cultivate, if we ask contrary to his will, or to the decrees of his providence, if we ask merely for the gratification of our own ease, and without an eye to his glory, we must not expect that we shall receive. Yet when we ask in faith, nothing doubting, if we receive not the precise thing asked for, we shall receive an equivalent, and more than an equivalent for it. As one remarks, if the Lord does not pay in silver, he will in gold, and if he does not pay in gold, he will in diamonds. If he does not give you precisely what you ask for, he will give you that which is tantamount to it, and that which you will greatly rejoice to receive in lieu thereof. Be then, dear reader, much in prayer, and make this evening a season of earnest intercession, but take heed what you ask. End of May 13th through 19th